All right, everybody, welcome back to the showcase. I'm your host, Paris Jackson. On today's episode, we got us a winner. Bucks went ahead and closed it out in six, so we'll give some thoughts on that, the new direction for the Suns, and ultimately how to stuff your schedule if you are a basketball junkie like me. So we'll get to all that. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy the showcase. Alright, so we do in fact have a champion after what feels like a super, super short season. Uh, the finals seem to drag on for nearly three weeks, but we do have a conclusion. Giannis, Chris Middleton, Coach Bud have claimed the Larry O'Brien and are this year's NBA champions, which perfectly lines up for 50 years since the city of Milwaukee was actually able to to win a championship, which is absolutely crazy to me. And the performances from this Bucks team, as well as from the Suns team, have been nothing short of astounding. At the very least, NBA fans, casual fans, whoever, were able and treated to one of the best series that I can remember since maybe that, you know, series 2016 where it went to seven uh, with the... Uh, the Warriors and the Cavs, and then before that, probably the Heat with the Ray Allen game. Like, we haven't had an NBA Finals that good in a long time, and a long time. And it was dominant performances all around. I mean, the first two games went to the Suns, but by no means did they roll over for games three through six. I mean, they challenged this Bucks team quarter in and quarter out, basically, and really stuck it to them and made it entertaining as hell to watch it was a toss-up the entire time we never really were 100 percent confident what side was going to win i found myself leaning more towards the suns but overall the bucks just dominated and came out the winner they dominated when it mattered and where it mattered i think a lot of what the suns ran into was just great defensive scheming they didn't really have an answer for Giannis. Giannis ultimately hit more free throws than I think that, you know, they planned to. And, of course, he should. He's a professional. But overall, this Suns team was just was just overwhelmed by the Bucks, And really, I think it boiled down to the defensive end of the floor was just too much for for, for Devin Booker. I think the, the turnovers were a little bit too much you know, for the Suns to rebound from. Oftentimes late in the games, they'd find themselves down by, you know, eight points with two minutes left and uh, have to jack up threes, which weren't falling uh, in the position. I think they also depended upon, you know, big minutes from like Cam Johnson, campaign, Frank Kaminsky in that fourth, uh, third and fourth quarters uh, with DeAndre Ayton having picked up so many fouls and ultimately DeAndre Ayton kind of taking himself out, uh, both I think physically from being in foul trouble, but more importantly, mentally and overall, this Bucks team just, just stuck it to them, right? Cause they were able to hit shots. They had Bobby Portis, you know, having basically a playoff career high along with Giannis, Chris Middleton hitting some, some, you know, getting to his spots and hitting the shots that he was able to drew holiday showed up for a game or two when it mattered and more so even on the defensive end with some major major strips 
And overall, you know, like I mentioned before, the role players in the star got it done. You know, they got it done and they were the ones able to and the Suns unfortunately fell short. You know, before I talk too much about the Bucks, because I do want to talk about the Suns and I think what kind of went wrong for them, right? Game one, they won, right? They came out a little bit more rested. I think, you know, they had the hype uh, train rolling with them. Giannis had the, you know, the knee issue and everything like that, and that played in. Game two, they also won, uh, you know, by, by basically the skin of their teeth. And after that, you know, is where the Bucks really started to settle in. I think having home court advantage helped. Giannis was continuing to basically base assert his dominance and put up these monster, monster 40-point, 10-B rebound uh, uh, points. And then even when he didn't, he had that game where he had 26 points and Chris Middleton went off for 40, right? So, like, they by no means was a one-man show and got it done. But for the Suns, I think – like I mentioned, the turnovers were just a huge problem, right? Because either they'd get themselves in a huge hole and have to crawl out, or they would have a lead and ultimately give it up because they weren't able to hold on to the ball. They weren't able to knock down the shots and, and ultimately get good rebounds. I think DeAndre Ayton, despite having a very good first couple of games, kind of shrunk on the offensive end, putting up you know minuscule numbers. Uh, in terms of points and not really getting the fouls and being had had to be benched um, and you know I saw something from Chris Paul that I've seen before but felt like I didn't recognize in that he at these fourth quarters I could count maybe five or six times probably more like four four or five or six times where he was just dribbling and slipped like somebody like some fan threw like an imaginary invisible banana on the court and he just slips and falls which for Chris Paul at his you know tenure I think would be highly unlikely for him to just slip like that but it happened multiple times in game four down the stretch which caused some turnovers and it ultimately happened in this game too you know coming down to the wire Chris Paul has the ball at the top of the key he slips causes a turnover and then the Bucks are off to the races, and it's like it's already a, 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 a must-have-every-possession type game, and Chris Paul's slipping and giving it up. Now, you know, there is obviously going around the media the whole Scott Foster thing and him being assigned as a referee and, and Chris Paul's record when he is assigned, and maybe that has to do something with it. I personally didn't like too much where he was kind of chatting with the ref before the game even started. Um you know, kind of indi- indicating that, you know, there was probably going to be some calls that they, they didn't agree on. And ultimately, you know, that's going to be every single game. The referees' calls that are making are highly subjective. And because of that, you know, they're going to disagree on exactly how the game should be played. But ultimately, you know, that's a, that is a hurdle. I'll give you that. But it's not enough of a hurdle to just totally dictate the game. And ultimately, I think, you know, the Suns played a lot of ISO ball. They weren't able to get through the tough defenses of the Bucks to kind of muscle their way to a basket. And they didn't move the ball enough to get good looks. When they did get good looks, they really weren't hitting them, especially down the stretch. And we're just outplayed by the Bucks. But I think you know, looking forward, and you you know, I always like to do these recaps when it comes 
to the to the end of a you know a playoff run and for the Suns they made it as far as you can go without winning right except for maybe like a game seven for them I mean Chris Paul has obviously made it clear that he wants to come back and run with the team and pick up his player option right Devin Booker you have him for a few years DeAndre Ayton next year you're probably going to have to extend him either next year or at the end of next year I feel like at the end of next year you can do it because you know you can use that money obviously pay Chris Paul a little bit but then use the rest to kind of you know bolster this uh this team a little bit and like you know Michael Bridges campaign like you got some big minutes out of Frank Kaminsky but other than that, I mean, you need some. You need, either need the the rest of the players to play to the level that they did throughout the playoffs without shrinking, or you need to, you know, turn some dimes into some quarters. Meaning, like some of these pieces need to be upgraded, right? Like you have your three, you have your Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, in. And then you have some people under contract. I think you bring Mikhail Bridges back, but hopefully he continues to v- develop campaign. You can potentially bring back for the minimum, and hopefully he, he elevates to where he had played before. And I think what you need is Chris Paul to settle into the moment a little bit. Those silly, silly turnovers, that really stupid foul at the end of Game 5 uh, on the alley-oop, uh, which was right after a turnover, even though it was you know a, a Devin Booker turnover regardless, still another turnover that stupid foul put them in a position where they were down four and yada yada but nevertheless like he needs to settle into the moment a little bit I don't expect him to like slip up like that again in the future but you know we've seen Chris Paul collapse like this in big games you know throughout his entire career um but that being said like settle down into the moment a bit for Devin Booker his problem watching was that he it, at least it felt like he didn't have the strength to go through Drew Holiday, right? And Drew Holiday's got some years on him. Devin Booker's still really young. But I think what Devin Booker needs to do is take a page out of, instead of Kobe's book, take a page out of Jordan's book and go and hit the weight room like Jordan did, you know, after losing to the Pistons, the bad boy Pistons, and develop enough strength to be able to go through a player like drew holiday and don't get me wrong drew holiday is super strong he's great on the defensive end he can lock down a lot of guards but i feel like the problem was that devin booker would get into these iso situations where his only option was either to finesse around which drew holiday is a little bit too disciplined to do that or go through and he didn't have the strength to do so which led to turnovers which led to bad decisions which led to basically the Suns losing so I think Devin Booker obviously very young he's going to continue to develop Chris Paul you know he's still going to bring his veteran you know experience and then the rest of the Suns team needs to either step up or basically be upgraded into you know some better pieces maybe get rid of Jay Crowder he's a little too hot and cold from the three Dario Saric will hopefully come back and be able to uh, you know, um, back up DeAndre Ayton a little bit better. And then for Ayton, you know, watching him under the basket, he was very, very much a pass-first type of big, and he needed to charge ahead when he's in the paint and he's right under the basket. He's fading away instead of going up and getting the foul 
and being tough. And I think, you know, if you upgrade the strength of Devin Booker, get DeAndre Ayton the the not only mental fortitude, but the, you know, the confidence to go ahead and charge ahead in the paint and then, you know, keep a lot of the stuff the same or just tweak it to make it a little better. Like, there's no reason the Suns can't make, you know, a super deep run again next year, you know. Um, the West, as always, is going to continue to be stacked. But as always, you know, it comes down to a war of attrition through the playoffs. And this team has proven that they can, can in fact, remain healthy. You know, Chris Paul may be excluded with his stinger and his COVID and, you know, hamstring issues when he was on the Rockets and yada yada and slipping problems. I mean, his ankle problem or something. But if Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, the two young stars on this team, are able to take some big leaps this offseason, then this Suns team is in a great position. There's no reason why they can't come back and make another deep playoff run, right? But I'm an optimist, right? You've, you've heard me throughout all these episodes make a case for every single team that's been exited playoffs, right? What they need to do to get right to go ahead. I'm an optimist, right? I could see any of the 30 teams next year making the right moves in the offseason and ultimately winning a championship right i respect the way the suns are built i definitely respect the way the bucks are built right where they you know drafted players got it out the mud kept their heads down kept grinding right went from freaking serving on the curb to straight bosses right went to winning it all lifting up the cigar with the sweat dripping down the face because the mission was hard, Nipsey Hustle, right? Like, you guys remember that, right? Last time that I checked, right? Put some fucking respect on Giannis and all that because that's the Bucks, how the Bucks did it, and that's how the Suns did it. And I can see a lot of these other teams, like, wanting to do the same thing. Like, Atlanta is a great team doing the same thing. Philly even is a great team doing the same thing, though, you know, they have their own issues. Same with Atlanta, same with the Suns, right? Because ultimately every team fell short except for this Bucks team, right? Who I got a lot of respect for. And for them moving forward, you basically just run everything back, right? You have, you know, Bobby Portis picking up a player option and Bryn Forbes is probably going to pick up his player option, team options on a couple of players, right? But you probably bring back P.J. Tucker. You bring back, you know, your big three that are, are signed forever, right? Picking up Drew Holiday was a great move. Picking, you know, Chris Middleton, Giannis, those extensions ended up paying off because ultimately you got a championship. You got them for a while. And you just run, right? You're going to get Dante DiVincenzo back, but I'd like to see you make some upgrades on the on the secondary, you know, guard position slash maybe even point guard position. Um, and, you know, you can potentially upgrade Brook Lopez because I think he's past his prime, but he's he was great. I mean, he had that super big dunk uh, in the second quarter that kind of, you know, lit a fire under this Bucks team to get them going when there was about five minutes left. But still, like... Uh, you know, I think this Bucks team basically runs it back and, and makes some slight changes to upgrade a bit. So, I mean, that's really what I think is next for both these teams, right? Continue to develop around your drafted players. Continue to, you know, foster these young stars 
because it's still early. It's still early for Giannis, who's 26. It's still early for Chris Middleton, who I believe is 27 or 28. It's still early for Devin Booker. It's still early for DeAndre Ayton. Like, they have a lot of these young pieces where they can develop. And, you know, for Giannis, a lot of people just woke up and kind of realized, including myself, that, you know, the torch that we've all been wondering who is going to get passed, right? Like the, the the torch in a sense was, you know, passed from Michael to Kobe to LeBron. And now it's like, well, who's going to get the torch next? And more and more, it's looking like the torch is going to get passed to Giannis. And now I know there's a little bit of recency bias, right? But stay with me for a second. You go through the other, you know, top 10 players in the league, right? It's not Paul George, right? He's proven that he's part of that old era, LeBron, like too little, you know, gone, right? It's not going to be Chris Paul, right? Kawhi with his nagging injury things, you know, he's even like a little bit older as well. It's not going to be him. You know, Steph Curry had the torch for a little bit and changed the game, but ultimately you wouldn't call him the best player in the world, right? So you look at these younger players, right? You start looking at the sub, you know, 30 players, sub 28 players, right? It's not going to be Zach Levine, right? He just doesn't have that winning edge that he brings to a team. It's, you know, it's between players like Giannis, you know, uh, Devin Booker. I could see DeAndre Ayton developing into maybe that, but he's maybe too too early on him but like Giannis it could be Jason Tatum it could be Devin Booker right but when you're looking at these players it's very easy like nah it's not it's not going to be those people right it's not going to be who I just I just mentioned it's going to be likely Giannis and you look at his like you look at his trajectory and just know that every single year he continues to get better and better and better. And every single year he continues to push his team further and further and further and had that champion. And the, and the way I liken it is the come up of LeBron James, right? Think back, drafted in 2003, comes to the Cavs, misses the playoffs for like one year, maybe two or whatever, right? A couple of years, makes the playoffs, finally makes the finals in you know, 2000, what is that, 2007, I want to say, right, where they played the Spurs and they just got absolutely wrecked. Uh, but then after that, like, you know, 2008, 9, 10, keeps going with the Cavs. If he had in 2011 won with the Cavs instead of the Heat, like say everybody came there, I think he would be highly regarded in the way that Giannis is now. Giannis comes into the league in 2013. They missed the playoffs for a few years, right? In 2016-17, he freaking wins most improved player. That's after a season where he was number one in fouls, right? First overall in personal fouls, 2015-2016, right? 2016-27, he comes in, he's most improved player, right? The following season, whatever, right? He's he's making an all-star game, right? He's on the NBA, you know, all-NBA second team, right? He's all-defensive team that, that first year right after all the fouls, right? Then 2018-2019, he wins you know, most valuable player, then he does it back to back and wins defensive player of the year, which is fucking wild, right? To go from number one in fouls in the league to turn around, make the all defensive team. And then the next year, 
basically win the freaking uh defensive player of the year and most valuable player within a span of two to three years after that you know he basically back-to-back mvp seasons he almost had an mvp season again this year he was putting up the same stats all the while he is leading his team to the number one overall seed multiple years in a row right going gangbusters on the season now they had a you know a similar playoff series loss to the raptors where they went up two and then lost four straight but the raptors would become the eventual champion last year was the bubble season and unfortunately they got knocked out by a team that would eventually make the finals right so you know exit there but all the while they're still the number one overall seed then this year they decide you know maybe not do that and they're the number three overall seed load manage a little bit whatever you want to call it and they win a championship right they win a championship he's finals mvp he's all-star game mvp right Giannis, like year after year is continuing to improve and show he's becoming the best player in the league and potentially in the world right like maybe he needs to go to greece and you know win a gold olympic gold um olympic gold medal but you know, year after year, you just see this steady, steady improvement to the point where, you know, he averaged 28 points this year. He averaged 29 the year before, right? And every single year, you just see his shooting percentage improve, his three-point percentage improve, his freaking field free throw percentage improve, you know, slightly, even though he's taking almost double, but his ability to get to the line is obviously improved. Um, and all the while he stayed with this Bucks team, which I think is the most commendable thing out of all, out of everything, right? Like all like all my favorite players, basically, you know, stayed with the same team throughout the entirety of their career and didn't go and freaking team hop, right? Like that's why I don't like James Harden too much. That's why I didn't have respect for LeBron for a very long time, right? That's why I loved Tim Duncan and Kobe so much right like what cat is doing in minnesota i can respect what dame is doing in portland i can respect what Giannis and chris middleton have done in milwaukee i earned my respect and all the while Giannis is slowly making the case that he is accepting the the torch as potentially the best player of the decade right and again bias with the recency the recency bias he could literally never make the playoffs again you know, after this, depending on what happens. But I don't think that's going to be the case because Giannis, year in and year out, has continued to get better and better and better. He's 26 now. He'll be 27 next year. And he has basically a six to nine-year window left of his prime to really, really show us if he can do what I'm saying, which is become the best player in the world, right? And it's possible. The path is laid out there for him. Look at all the accolades, man. The accolades speak for themselves. So with that being said, let's take a quick break. So to wrap up today's show, um, I wanted to put a bow on the 2020-2021 gambling record. So officially with all the plays, and honestly, I didn't really play anything in the last series as far as gambling on a day-to-day basis, just because I kind of wanted to just let it ride, enjoy the series, 
and you know see who would actually come out ahead but overall the end the record on games is 173 173 and three so basically a push from a record standpoint though i'm down a few units in the playoffs i was able to go 17 14 and one uh so you know that's pretty good we about broke even with bets there when it comes to future picks not so hot i only went about like i think two and eight overall uh as far as future picks goes and that's because the futures are a little bit harder right picking a champion picking an mvp at the beginning of the season before everything plays out right then i had you know basically two three uh nba champion tickets that i did at the beginning of the may and i'm, and I'm glad one of those cashed out overall if you would have bet with me this entire nba season right you would have made every play i would have made you would have made the futures bets and everything we would be down three units right which is not that much right if you're making five dollar bets you'd be 15 bucks from where you started right and that's over the course of you know 350 different bets over the course of the entire season to come out only down 15 units in the first real season where I was betting on a daily basis, uh, I would say is pretty good. You know, I, I am proud of myself for what I've been able to do from a gambling standpoint. I think I'm better, smarter, faster, ready to kind of take this, you know, basically it's going to be two months off uh, from, from gambling and come back the next season a little bit smarter, a little bit sharper, and, you know, basically make up those three units and plenty more. Um, you know, the, the future bet of, of bucks at plus 900 definitely helped out for sure. But, you know, I'm super excited to, you know, come back next season and continue this gambling, um, uh, streak, which sounds kind of bad when you put it like that, but to be, you know, uh, uh in the position that I am where you enjoy sports so much and you have games on every single day and you don't want to kind of put your money where your mouth is. I've been, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the heck out of it. I'm ready to come back and do it again. Thank you guys for, you know, sticking with me through the journey. Um, and just real quick, like if you are like me at all and not a big fan of baseball, you know, football is not often enough for you and you're looking for something to hold you over, there's basically three things that you should slash could be watching right now. The first of which is the WNBA. Right. And I spoke about this a couple of times, how, you know, we should support the ladies and, you know, those 12 teams are, you know, just as fun to watch. Um, and the season, you know, usually doesn't run concurrently. So you can check them out in the off season. Right now they're on a break. They come back August 14th. They have the commissioner's cup, which is super cool. Look that up if you haven't, um, you know, looked at it too much and I'll probably do an episode about it later. So I don't want to give too much away. But the Commissioner's Cup is awesome. The WNBA second half of the season starts on the 14th, and it should wrap basically by the time you know football picks up full steam. So you should be watching that. The second thing is the big three, right? And you may have heard of this. It's basically a three-on-three basketball tournament that was started and sponsored by Ice Cube. It's more for like retired players, so a little bit older. So if you remember, you know, growing up watching basketball like Joe Johnson and you know, all these different players that are playing in the big three, that is basically on the weekends. So it's the games are only on Saturdays and Sundays. It runs for about 10 weeks with the championship culminating the first weekend of September. So that'll be over by 
Labor Day, right? It's on every Saturday and Sunday. It's on CBS, um, or you can find it on Triller. So look it up, the big three. And then the last thing is the basketball tournament. And the basketball tournament, it's like capital, the capital basketball, capital tournament. It airs on ESPN, and it's basically a, 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 a if I had to take the NCAA, like, March Madness tournament and turn it into a two-month-long basketball tournament with basically non-eligible um, teams. So these are amateur teams comprised of, you know, players that are out of NCAA eligibility. Maybe they didn't get a spot on a, you know, minor league, G League type team or something like that. They're doing a single elimination tournament. And that those games are almost daily. They're at like 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. West Coast time. So you can catch those tournament. It's called the basketball tournament, and it's on almost every day. Um, and you'll probably find a team that you like or a team that's from local and kind of root them on and you see the Cinderella stories. Like last night, there was a seven seed that up, upset like a five seed or a four seed. Uh, and it was highly entertaining because they were down eight in the second and ended up coming back and winning by five. So if you need basketball to watch, to hold you over until – you know, you're into football or whatever, right? You have three avenues. So don't say you didn't know. You have the WNBA, you have the big three, and you have the basketball tournament. So almost on a daily basis, you're going to have some basketball to watch. Beyond that, you know, this NBA is really like a 12-month thing because we're going to turn around. Next week is going to be the draft. The week after that is going to be the California Classic, which is the, you know, the Kings and the Warriors basically invite, like, I think it's the Pacers and the Heat to come through, and it's almost like a summer league before the summer league, but that takes place August 3rd and 4th. The week after that is when summer league actually begins, and that'll run from, I believe, the 10th or the 8th to the 17th, and then, you know, you turn around, and a few weeks later, you got the preseason starting, you know, you basically make it through the back half of August and September and the preseason should start in October. Now they haven't come out and said anything officially, but I know that they definitely want to keep as similar a schedule as, you know, they used to have uh, pre pandemic and, and basically that timeline follows it. So for the next, you know, four weeks, you still have a lot of basketball to watch and uh, a lot of free agency, which starts on August 2nd, talk, the draft, summer league, WNBA, the big three, the basketball tournament, like so much stuff to keep in front of. And uh, it's all accessible. Most of it is free. And, uh, you know, just like the showcase, baby, it's going to keep coming week after week after week. So thank you, as always, for listening, subscribing. At PJ Showcase on Twitter and Instagram, make sure to drop me a follow. You know, coming out on Twitch, still planning on doing that. And ultimately, YouTube at PJ Showcase. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And everybody stay safe.